Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. About two months ago, uh, a local artist, a young woman named Abigail Wright, went missing from her apartment building in Kipps Bay. Remember, you're the only real agent on this case, Osric. Remember your job. This isn't about finding the girl. It's about finding the threat, if there is one, and making damn sure that it's gone. And then nobody ever finds out about it. Got it? And you know what I say to them every time? I say I know that they're just ladies, and I know that they're just casuals, but they're the best damn lady casuals there are in the biz. Gentlemen, as always, Chip. Thank you. You see that the child-sized clown is dancing on a small, temporary stage in very precise movements with the music. Well, she's wondering if she's the only person who saw this, and if it was real or not. Like, if it actually was there, if it's in her mind. We are not five minutes into this mission, and you're already having visions? I mean... (laughs) The walls and ceilings are covered in layers of paper and objects, epoxied in a bizarre but seemingly meaningful pattern of strata. Something decidedly macabre about finding dentures glued to the wall. And artificial limbs. Yeah, you know, one one psychologically breaking piece at a time, you know? You spot a tiny microphone that's sticking out from under the hallway rug right next to the base of Abigail Wright's door. New York City, August 30th, 1994. Dahlia Ivanova sat on the floor of Aquavella Galleries on the Upper East Side, champagne flute in hand. She was the only person left in the gallery. Her gallery, or at least that's how she had felt since she had first stepped foot inside almost four years ago. And now, starting today in fact, it actually was her gallery. Tonight had been wonderful. A party to celebrate her first day as curator of Aquavella, and all her loved ones had been there. Her parents had driven down from Connecticut. Her fiancé Jude and his parents had of course come to celebrate. And even her aging and ailing Aunt Eartha had been driven over from the convent to be there for her big day. But despite those who had been there, Dahlia couldn't stop thinking about who hadn't. Perhaps it was the champagne, but Dahlia just couldn't get her sister's face out of her mind. Dahlia had sent her an invitation, of course, but she had known there was no way Astrid would come. Even if she didn't live on the other side of the Atlantic, Astrid had made it very clear the last time they spoke that it would be the last time. It had been years since she had seen Astrid. Six years, she thought. Had it really been that long? But of course it had. It had been at Dahlia's graduation from Yale. Dahlia thought back to that moment like it was a scene from a movie that wouldn't stop playing. Long after the graduation ceremony had wrapped up and hours after her parents had said their goodbyes and left, Astrid had stayed with Dahlia to celebrate. They had bounced from party to party, reveling with Dahlia's fellow graduates until far too late. But Dahlia could tell something was weighing on Astrid. And so, later that night, Dahlia had asked her what was wrong. And she had regretted it every day since. It took Astrid a while to speak, and Dahlia immediately knew what was on her sister's mind. Bulgaria. Do you... do you remember that night? Astrid had asked, hesitantly. Of course Dahlia remembered. The two of them had had plenty to drink at the parties they'd been to, but no amount of alcohol could make either of them forget that night. The worst night of their lives. Dahlia nodded to her sister, but she knew she really didn't need to answer. There was something else, something more, that Astrid wanted to talk about. And do you remember what happened... to him? Astrid asked. Dahlia shuddered, but nodded again. Flashes of memory flooded back to her. She and her sister running for their lives through the woods. A man chasing after them, gun in hand. The two of them diving behind a fallen tree and hoping they had hidden themselves well enough, and then realizing that they hadn't. The man's flesh and bones, moments before he reached them, withering away to nothing. And then blackness, as Dahlia lost consciousness. Of course she remembered. Astrid spoke again, somehow more confidently this time. I've been thinking about that night a lot, Dee. I can't get it out of my head. And the more I think about it, the more it becomes clear to me. You... you did that to him, didn't you? You did something that Aunt Eartha taught you, and it made him wither away. At this point, Astrid's voice was near panic, and almost begging Dahlia to deny it. Please, Dee, tell me it wasn't you. Tell me you didn't do it. I need to hear it, because every time I look at you, that's all I can think about. Please. Dahlia tried to speak, tried to look at her sister, but found that she couldn't. Because no matter how much she wanted to, she knew there was nothing she could say to comfort Astrid. Nothing she could say that would change what happened that night. There was nothing she could say, of course, because it was true. Her sister was right.
One of the things that I love about this particular scenario is that it takes place in New York. And I like that for a couple of different reasons. One of them, different from a lot of Delta Green scenarios, is that it, it allows you to make sure that the agents are from the area, right? It's very easy to have New York-based agents. And so it makes sure that their lives kind of continue revolving as the scenario is taking place. Like if I think, if I think back to uh, the season two scenario that we ran that Sarah was a part of, you know, nobody, none of the agents are from Hellbend, California, right? They have to go there. And so it's a little bit easier to kind of ignore their daily lives. It's a little bit harder when it's taking place when you're, when you're home, right? Like when you're, you could just as easily return to your apartment at the end. The other reason that I love it is because I can picture it so clearly, right? Like Washington, like Washington Park or Washington Square Park on a hot summer's day, like it feels so vivid in my mind as someone who kind of lives near New York and has lived in New York City. It feels it's 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 so kind of stark to me how how much I can picture being in that place at that time. Everyone in this game uh, has lived in or around New York City for at least some part of their life. And so uh, I'm going to ask a controversial question to all of you uh, to start this off. Do you consider yourself a New Yorker? That's such a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, not even. Yeah. No, I wouldn't consider I wouldn't live in New York, so I couldn't consider myself a New Yorker. The only thing I do that's New Yorker is I like to go to the city and I walk around and I just when I see like a, something pretty amazing, like a rat, like a giant human sized rat in the middle of the street eating pizza or, you know, just one of the wonder. I just like to go only in New York. And then I get my car <laughs> and I drive back car. home to New Jersey, yeah. which is better. <laughs> because it's not the city. No, I do not consider myself in New York. You, you slap your hand on the car of a yeah. the, the hood of a cab on your way out. Okay. Only in New York. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Mikey, your answer was the only one I felt confident that I could predict before I asked the question, which is yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're a Jersey guy for sure. I'm a Jersey guy, and if if I have a, a city, if I have like an adopted like city of residence, it's Philadelphia. The city for that's where really? people like I belong. Glasses, <laughs> beards. People like I. Yeah, like just like this. You're Let's in, get even to, more devices. You guys are really <laughs> special. Like awful. Just like the white guys with beards and glasses who want to sit Brooklyn. around and be like, Philly's not say, that bad. That's Bushwick, baby. No, <laughs> like, about. We're the poor ones, you understand. We're the mm. ones who where we have to live in in Philadelphia. We don't get to go to Bushwick. We try the goal of all the like the glasses hipsters in Philadelphia is we all say someday we'll make it to Bushwick. Oh, someday we'll get to. And then the dream is Austin. That's like California used to be for the gold rush. Yeah, Austin is like Mesopotamia for beard glasses guys. Oh my god! Wow, I didn't know. You talk about this as a as a coven. (laughs) Portland, Portland's pretty big. Yeah, Mm. this is that's where the the coven really is based out of on all the coasts. I don't know. I'm just, I live in suburban New Jersey. I don't go to any city. I'm well, I was going to say the one up. thing that I know about Jersey folk um and I you know, I loosely consider myself one now because I live here now is they might say they want to move somewhere else, but they're not going anywhere else. No. Austin, Portland, you're, you're you're staying right here in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's River, New Jersey specifically. Like it's not going it's not <laughs> happening. New yeah. Jersey and the thing about being from New Jersey is cuz you're from you know, you're in Jersey City. I, my brother lived in Jersey City. I, I know people who live all over the state, and it it's like six different states. You know, like where oh, yeah. the part yeah, yeah, in yeah. which you're from matters tremendously towards like. And I guess I guess that I mean I don't know. I'm not I'm not a New Yorker. I guess is that the same of like on a macro level, like the neighborhoods, like the people. A thousand percent, I would say. That's that's crazy. Like, uptown versus downtown, like Harlem versus Upper West Side. I don't know. So Sarah, as the only as the only current resident yeah. of New York City, do you consider yourself a New Yorker? I'm trying so hard. Like someone told me years ago, it, you have to live here for seven years to be a New Yorker. So I'm like, I'm almost there. Like I'm at five next month. Um, but then someone <laughs> who's been here for a long time is like, it's not seven, it's ten. And I'm like, oh God, I'm only halfway there. It's um, a day. You're allowed. Uh-huh. You just say you're a yeah. New Yorker. You live there. They're not allowed to. <laughs> I'm like, I stayed rules? during the pandemic. Like I was here. I like gets me like two yeah. extra years. Um, That's definitely. But why? See, this is this. Why? Who gatekeeps a city? 
That's why I don't like New York. You got people <laughs> doing no, no, no. You don't really live but not here. Just anyone no, can you claim live it. here. <laughs> I, I, but I, you kind of can. If I go stand there for an hour, I'm New yeah, Yorker see, right now. I, so I heard that arbitrary seven years thing too. Yeah. And so when I hit eight years there, I was like, oh my god, I've done it. I did it. But I actually think <laughs> it's more about like experiences that you've had yeah. personally that make okay. you like a New Yorker, like. Have you like cried on the subway? Oh yeah. Like, have you like thrown up in like a very public place? Um, Wait a minute. I might be a New uh, Yorker after you, all. <laughs> have you have you seen someone do something on the subway that was like absolutely abhorrent, but you so could, indecent. like move your seat and like you didn't get up and go because okay. you were like, I need to be on this train right now. I'm like, like check, check, check. Yeah, I'm you're just, right. I, I made it. Yeah, I think it's kind of stuff like that. Um, you know, I think maybe like. For people in our age group, have you been to, I'm trying to think of what that one bar was in um, Brooklyn. Oh, it was like absolutely heinous. There was just a period of time in your 20s when you would stand outside to wait to go there. I think it's more about experiences. Yeah. Honestly, I, it's an interesting question you bring up, Eric, because as somebody who like just moved out of New York like a year ago, a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, it feels very like sensitive because I definitely got attached to being like I'm a New Yorker, but I kind of feel like I'm a I feel like I'm a double New Yorker because I lived there for like eight years and I am literally from New York, the state. So I, I'm just yeah. counting myself as a New Yorker. I think so. I've lived on the Upper East Side. I've lived in several places in Brooklyn. I think I have paid enough taxes. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the marker. Taxes. Yeah, I mean, oh enough Texas that city, and I have absolutely at least once fallen asleep on the train and reached the end of the line without really waking up. So I, that terrifies I, me. Yeah, <laughs> it was um, a complicated moment, but you know, I figured it out. I went back. So, at what point does someone go from like this is and this is a question from, from an outsider's perspective? Uh, someone, I'm just too simple-minded to live in New York. So I see something and I say, when does someone go from, so if seven years is the New Yorker threshold, mm -hmm. and then eight years is the double New Yorker threshold, and then 10 years is the super New Yorker threshold, <laughs> at what point do you become a Manhattanite? You know, like where where is the line between mm. New Yorker, I'm a New Yorker, and now I'm a Manhattanite? Is that a, that feels socioeconomic more so than I think, anything? Yeah, else. I think you have to buy property in Midtown to be a Manhattan. And then you're a Manhattan. Oh, my God. oh. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, you have to buy it. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Sarah, you would you would you would never call yourself a Manhattanite, even though you've no, lived never, in Manhattan the whole mm -hmm, time. Yeah. You would never. I've say never that. considered that. No. No, I, that's one no. of those things that that's got to be out with the boomers is Manhattan. I think so. Yeah. That's a yeah. funny like, thing. Uh, though, like friends of mine who don't live in New York will be like, "Wait, hold on, do." Do you live in Manhattan? Like, I need to clarify. <laughs> what is your address? Is it Manhattan? The same city the Muppets took. The same city <laughs> the Muppets took. Yeah. I don't even feel like I've even heard the, like, like the phrase yeah. Manhattanite. I mean, I lived on the Upper East Side for three years, and I feel like I... If anyone's a Manhattanite. The whole time, I was like, I hope nobody nobody could tell. Nobody knows that I'm here. Like, I'm, like, sweeping <laughs> in. You know? like, the only thing I read is catty gossip blogs. So that's where I have so terms a lot like of Manhattanite. Manhattanite. Yeah. yeah. Gossip There's girl. many Manhattanites, yeah. Yeah, I think they're all from like the 1940s. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm reading uh, uh, Wolfer Winchell's column. Who's on, who's on Mrs. Astor's 400 list? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll never believe what they said about Clark Gable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will give my uh, I, my recently come up with uh, I, I came up with this yesterday on the subway uh, what my what my mm -hmm. definition of a New Yorker is and every every New Yorker will hate me for this definition but I, it's the one that I'm going with because I only lived for two years in New York City um, I've uh -oh. been I've been in Jersey City for five years over two different apartments and for me being a New Yorker means someone who feels comfortable moving around to New York City. Because, you know, I came from Indiana when I the first time I was ever in New York City, it felt like a it felt like I could die at any moment. I could step off the curb and be hit by a car. I could fall into a sewer grate. Like, it, it, yeah. it, it was oh my like I didn't know where the hell I was. And now I feel very comfortable moving my way about New York City because I've worked there and and lived there. And so to me, yeah. I feel like, yeah, I'm a New Yorker because I can walk into the city and I know where I'm going. Right, like, and that so that that feels like enough for me. Nobody thinks that is what the definition is, but for me, it's good enough for me. I support it. 
yeah. you're defining where you live. That's fine. You're allowed to. I'll tell. Can I tell you one quick story and then we can actually play yeah, about my it. comfort <laughs> with New York? I was one of the things I'm very proud of is that I drive well in cities. And I, I'll tell you all about it. If we're in a car, and we don't have to be driving to a city. We just have to be driving. At some point, I'm going to be like, you know, I'm really comfortable driving in cities because there's, I think it's because I'm not really paying attention. So I just am pressing the brake every once in a while. It works. My driving style works in a city. So I don't mind it one bit. So we were going into the city for my brother's law school graduation. And so we rented a minivan. Uh, I was taking myself, my dad, my sister, my brother-in-law, and my other brother. We were going to drive from Tom's River to Manhattan. I went and got a minivan. And I was, the, I'm comfortable driving in the city. Are you sure it's a minivan? I'm comfortable. I know what I'm doing. I'm driving <laughs> in the city. I'm comfortable. I've told you many times. So, drive everybody up to Columbia. Take, you know, and it's it's not easy. And I got the, I booked the parking garage. But I navigate no issues. Don't get lost. Don't get flustered or scared because I'm wonderful at driving in cities. I go into this parking garage, park the car, no issues. We go, we enjoy a wonderful Italian meal uh, and celebrate my brother's uh, graduation from law school. My brother and I, brother-in-law and I walk back to the car at the end of the night. I pull out of the parking lot, the parking garage, I pull out of my spot and I'm coming towards the exit. No exaggeration, my brother-in-law turns to me and says, you know, you talk about it a lot, but you actually do drive really well in cities. That's impressive. I turn to him to say, well, you know, hey, thank you, Tom. And we both hear, <laughs> and he's like, stop, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, you, you got to back. And I'm like, what do I got to back? And he's like, back. And then I try to back up and we just hear. <laughs> and then he's like, maybe go forward. <laughs> I, I had taken the turn in the parking garage too tightly and caught the door handle oh no <laughs> on like a like a thing and ripped the handle off of the door oh, off of the rental car door oh my god and my as my brother-in-law was saying the words you drive really well in cities he now has to hold it closed we oh, roll up to, to, we picked whatever, I think Carmine's, whatever, you know, the restaurant where it's like, here's just a big pile of food. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, my whole family, my cousins, aunts, uncles, <laughs> other people are waiting outside of this restaurant. And I roll up in a car that barely <laughs> has a door. And I'm like, hey, come on in, guys. My, my sister is panicked. My father is furious. My brother Christian's like, um, can I still, where should I put my backpack? I have my backpack here. I need to. I had to go home and I got the insurance. And that was why okay. I was able to be so like, ha 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 about it. And then I had to go back to the uh, an enterprise and the lady was like, were there any issues? I was like, as a matter of fact, I got it. It's gotta like that ghost you. story with the hook. It's like, yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. it was gone. <laughs> the, the woman was like, oh, we've seen it all. Don't worry. She's like, were you hurt? I was like, no, just my pride. And she was like, oh, and she went out and this very pleasant, like, very rental car lady. Uh, and we went out and looked at the car and she goes, holy shit, how did you do that? <laughs> like it dropped immediately. She's like, wow, you're the dumbest man that's ever rented a car, aren't you? Dun, 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 dun. Boop. Guess I'm not so good driving in cities. <laughs> and that's where we're going to end our episode today. Thank you, everybody. For <laughs> Just don't ask Agent Chip Lynch to drive you anywhere. <laughs> For some reason, I, I thought this story was going to result with, like, you had parked it in, like, the wrong place and it had a boot on it because I feel oh, like... Oh, that, that would have been a good one. That would have been a good one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the great thing about that story is you don't expect, like, the, just, like, a, an accident that's, like, no one's ever... What? You rip the handle off of your passenger side? <laughs> All right, so uh, I hope that New Yorkers and non-New Yorkers alike can as clearly picture some of the scenes that we are going to be, that we have talked about and that we are going to talk about. But kind of moving into the start of our episode, our three agents, uh, Chip Lynch, also known as Agent Osric, Agent Orlando, also known as Veronica Doyle, and Agent Ophelia, or Dahlia Ivanova, have been called by Delta Green to look into the apartment of a missing woman named Abigail Wright. She disappeared a few months ago. The NYPD and the FBI have both looked into the disappearance. They've reached dead ends, but 
someone who works for Delta Green flagged that there was an occult symbol found in her apartment, and Delta Green has decided to look into it. Now, what's strange about Abigail Wright's apartment is that the walls and pretty much every surface other than the floor is covered with items that have been glued or epoxied to the wall. There are layers upon layers of strange and mundane things glued to every surface of this apartment. And so our agents went over to this apartment in Kipps Bay. They uh, kind of did a little bit of a look at the apartment. But like I said before, they all have real lives in New York City that they're trying to manage. And so Dahlia went to her art show, uh, which she had earlier, or which she had this evening. Veronica decided to go home and feed her cat and get some get some clothes uh, because they estimate that this process of cataloging all of these items is going to take a few days. And so she goes to get a change of clothes and to feed her cat and also to call her best friend who was supposed to be coming into town for the weekend. And Chip, Chip Lynch, our, our FBI agent, decided to stick around at the apartment uh, and get to work because, among other reasons, I'm sure, his anniversary is in two days and he wants to make he wants to see if they can get it done before uh, he has to cancel on his long-term fiance, uh, who we've already decided is a very lucky, lucky woman uh, based on his interactions <laughs> with her thus far. And as we ended the last episode, Chip, you were doing some cataloging. You had spent about an hour in the apartment and kind of realized that you hadn't really done a sweep. You had kind of taken the NYPD's word for it that there were no signs of struggle. But, you know, your FBI training kicked in and you decided to do a bit of a quick sweep of the apartment just to see if there was anything that you, that they had missed, perhaps. And what you found was a tiny microphone sticking out from under the hallway rug right near the front door of Abigail Wright's apartment as if to record sounds from the inside. And that is where we we ended the last episode, so that's where we're going to pick up again. I will say it is, just to kind of set where everyone is at this moment, it's about 7 o'clock on this Thursday night, and Veronica, you are probably on your way back to the apartment. You know, you probably have reached your own apartment, fed your cat, gotten a change of clothes, and you're probably on your way back, but you're not back yet. And Dahlia, 7 o'clock is when your art show is starting. And so it's 7 p.m. Chip, you've just found this tiny microphone that seems to lead under the hallway rug. What's going through your mind? What do you do? Well, I think the first thing I do is I, I look at, take a look at the camera because this is either related to our case or the work of an you know unassociated pervert. Either way, I, I don't want this mic, this camera in these people's apartments. There's no way it's a good thing. It's a it's a microphone, not a camera. Microphone, it, it is a, excuse it is a me, microphone, yeah. yeah. Still the work of an un, you know, it's still the work of someone not good. You know, microphones in your apartment, not a good thing. So I would probably try to now kind of turn my investigation towards it's coming from the hallway rug. You said, yeah. All you can see so far is that this little microphone is kind of peeking out right by her door, and the cord seems to lead under the hallway rug. Okay, so it's coming from her apartment out to the. No, no, sorry. Coming from somewhere else and kind of ending okay. the, just the the mic. Wherever it's connected on the other side is is somewhere else. So I'm gonna. I would. I would probably use uh, my. I guess spot hidden to see. Um, like if I could see where this is leading, what it's connected to. Can I follow the the wiring, that kind of thing? Yeah. What's your search score? It's pretty high, I think. Right. As an FBI I think agent. It is. Yeah. It's seventy. Oh yeah. So you don't. You don't need to. You don't need to roll anything. So you kind of. You, you see the little tiny bump in the carpet. Other people might not notice it, uh, but you, you know, you've been doing, you've, you've done a lot of investigations in your life and you kind of can see a little bump in the, under the rug and follow it along. And it seems to lead into another one of the apartments on this first floor. And as you kind of got a little bit of a, a sense of the, of the building when you first came in, you know, there are three apartments on this floor. There is uh, Abigail Wright's apartment, which is 1A. And then there are two other apartments on this floor. They're they're marked 2B and 3A. Um, and this the the cord for the microphone seems to run under the the door to 2B. Would I have any knowledge as to like is there posted as to who the landlord or the proprietor of the building is? Like do they live on site? Uh, so the only thing that was seen, I think, by uh, by Veronica earlier is that it seems like the building is owned by an organization called Art Life. 
okay. which Dahlia recognizes is like a, an organization that kind of supports local artists. Um, and so they're, so the, the people who live here are probably artists and they probably, and you know Abigail Wright was an artist, um, and they probably get a pretty good deal on their rent from Art Life because that's, that's kind of the service they provide. Uh, but there was no sign of a superintendent or anything like that okay. marked. So then I'm going to knock on this degenerate store and see what uh, what is going on in this apartment. Nice. As part of my, you know, role as a Federal Bureau of Investigation agent. So knock, knock, knock. <laughs> Chip's like, why don't you get a real job? <laughs> yeah, hey, you hippie, cut your hair. And stop putting microphones in other people's apartments while we're at it. <laughs> So if you want to take a look at the um, the Google Drive folder, I'm going to move in an image, and then I will describe what you who comes to the door. Oh, is it going to be a painting? Yeah. Comes to the door is Whistler's mother. Oh, Manuel. So you knock on the door, and a, a, a few seconds later, you hear some movement around in the apartment, and the door opens, and you see a young, thin Latino man with cropped black hair and dark eyes. Uh, he's wearing a, a ruined kind of paint-covered T-shirt and baggy jeans, and he's got Walkman headphones around his neck. You look down for a second because, you know, you're a very perceptive guy. You see that he's barefoot, um, and he says, uh, Hi, can I help you? Hola, young man. Uh, I'm here uh, on investigation. I'm, uh, what can you tell me about the the woman next door? I mean, you, I'm sure you're aware of... Uh, the police activity that's been going on here. And I'm certainly not going to waste your time, and I don't think you're going to waste mine. So, can you tell me anything you knew about her? Uh, Miss, what was her name again? Oh, uh, Laura. Well, I, I call her Laura. That's her middle name. Um, Abigail. Abigail Wright. Yeah, it, it's it's really sad. I I, I was I was pretty friendly with her. I, I it's, it's really sad. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. How friendly would you say you two were? Oh, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we live pretty close to each other. You know, her apartment's just over there, and he, he points down toward Abigail's uh, apartment. Um, you know, we would, we would chat. Um, you know, we'd have, you know, maybe a, maybe a drink every once in a while. Um, we were friendly. You know, uh, you know, I would say friendlier probably than I am with any of the other neighbors. But you know, I, I wouldn't say that we were friends. Did you want to be? Did you want to be a little friendlier? Uh, no. I, I'm not sure what you're implying. Oh. I'm not applying anything. It's just two guys talking here, young man. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> what's uh, I can't remember what slow down in Spanish is. Damn it! I used to have it in my head. Oh no! <laughs> and it's gone. Oh, Sorry. It was should have been right there. Um, <laughs> We're just two guys talking. Just two guys talking. <laughs> just relax. The old school. Relax, Vato. <laughs> Listen up, hombre. We're, oh, we're all right. Um... <laughs> No, uh, so then I was, oh, no, 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 I certainly, uh, uh, you know, I just, I was a young man once myself, too, and sometimes you, you know, you have a, a beautiful young art, artist neighbor, I mean, you go for a drink, maybe want to take her out for a date or something like that, I'm not, not implying anything's wrong with that, I'm just saying, I've been there, I know the feeling. No, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying, but. No, I, I never had any romantic feelings toward Laura. She was she was just a friend. She was a, a nice person to have living nearby. Uh, now, was there anyone uh, who visited frequently? Was it, perhaps there was a, a romantic partner that you knew of and also were friends with? No, Laura. I don't think Laura dated anybody. At least not anybody seriously. Uh, not that I know of. It's you know. I mean, it's been a little while. It's been a it's been a few months. But I don't remember seeing anyone. Now, do you remember anything about uh, when she? disappeared around that time had you been had she been acting differently strangely in any way no i i don't think so you know the 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 cops came and talked to me a couple of different times i i don't remember anything from the last time i saw her to you know when she was reported missing and the, and the and the cops came around i didn't hear any you know i didn't hear any like commotion or anything like that um you know i hadn't seen her for a few days but there wasn't anything strange about that you know i'll be honest with you and i told this to the cops I really think she was just such a free spirit that, you know, New York couldn't hold her, and I think she just left. That is uh, certainly a theory that I've, I've heard a number of times, as a matter of fact. Uh, it's, and it's an interesting one. And it, uh, Someone like you, someone who had intimate access to her thoughts, I'm sure, 
uh, uh, would would be someone whose uh, intuition I would trust on that as a friend, someone who would go out from time to time. I do just have uh, one more question for you, young man. Uh, if you'll just come here for a moment out into the hallway with me. Uh, he like hesitantly kind of opens his door a little bit more and, and steps into the hallway. Now, what prompted me to knock on your door, besides, you know, if, if we're just being honest with each other now, wasn't just a uh, investigative spirit. I do have to admit something, something a little interesting came up over here. Now, if you look right here, and he's making sure that like he's in a position that this guy can't go anywhere if he decides to run for any reason. Like Chip is positioned where this guy's not going anywhere. Now, if you if you look now, you gotta use your use your sharp eyes here. But if you look right in front of there, you see that little bump, and if we follow it right into your apartment. And so, I have to admit, I'm a little curious as to as to what this technology is. I mean, you know, I'm an old man. You know, I don't understand. I see wires popping out of the rug. I, I want to know what's going on with them. So, perhaps you could tell me uh, why that would be a microphone into her apartment that appears, you know, and like I said, I'm an old man, to lead into yours. What's your um? What's your alert? No, sorry, your um, your human score. My human is sixty. Okay, so you you have a very keen eye for watching people's reactions. When you start describing the fact that there is a wire that is running from her apartment to into his apartment, he looks genuinely shocked, and he starts kind of sputtering, and he's like. I, be, uh, I, I don't even, I don't know what that, I've never seen that before. I, I don't, I have no idea what that is. I, I, I didn't, you don't think that I put that there. You I, don't think I was. I, I, like I said, I, listen, I can, I can barely sign on to the computer. I don't think anything right now. I'm just <laughs> trying to figure it out. And now that we both have discovered this, maybe, maybe you can help me investigate a little further. Can we take a look at where this wire might be headed within your apartment? Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. And he, he kind of opens the door and lets you come in. I would also do a scan real quick, just so I'm saying, like, I want to I want to look around his apartment, just see if there's anything out of place. Yeah, so you take a, a quick look around his apartment. It's very tidy, seems very clean, seems like he keeps things, um, you know, pretty pretty clean. Kind of empty. I think the strangest thing to you that you notice is that, you know, you think he's probably an artist um, based on you know, who owns the building. You don't see any art materials, no art, you know, no, there are no paintings on the walls or off to the side or anything like that. It really looks more like a hotel suite. Doesn't feel like a home at all to you. Another thing you notice is that he seems to have a lot of stereo equipment that looks really high quality. And you also, there are no books or magazines or or any sort of, like, music, like, no CDs or cassettes or anything. Like, it's very Spartan. What kind of uh, uh, artist did you say you were, uh, sir? Don't you all have to be artists to live here? Yes, I'm a, I'm a painter. <laughs> Must not be very busy. Oh, um, yeah, most of my stuff is in the basement. The, um, the night manager, Mr. Castain, lets me work down there. I kind of turned it into a studio. That's where all my stuff is. Castain. Okay, thank you. Uh, now, well, what kind of uh, uh, guy is this night manager? Do you find him agreeable? Has he uh, made your life here uh, difficult, easy, or, you know? No, he's uh, he's an older man. Pretty nice. Let's me work downstairs. Like I said, it's uh, it's nice to be able to, to have a place all to myself to work. Certainly. Uh, you wouldn't want to mess up your... I mean, I, listen, I, I can't tell you, but but you should take a look in that apartment over there. Abigail, my goodness, we'll be busy all week. <laughs> So it's nice to see at least one of you can keep clean. Uh, but now, so have we noticed anything on the f with this this wire going? Yeah, go ahead and give me a uh, go ahead and give me a search roll. Uh, Fifty one under seventy. Yeah, so you kind of follow the wire and you find um, a cassette recorder uh, that the wire is plugged into. Now, where is it? Is it just kind of sitting? Yeah, it's near the other stereo equipment. Um, you know, the wire kind of runs under the carpet in here, and so it wouldn't be obvious. It's not like a wire that's running through the middle of the apartment that he would have to step over all the time, and the yeah. cassette recorder is kind of sitting maybe on top of a speaker or something like that um, over by the rest of the, the higher-end stereo equipment. Okay, so I see that. I'll probably Now, I'll give you an opportunity here to be honest with me. 
this now we've seen that there's was a wire with the microphone we followed the wire with the microphone uh and i'm not a, a tech wizard but that appears to be a tape recorder sitting right here in your apartment a tape recorder which of as of 45 seconds ago you told me you knew nothing about uh so are you in are you saying someone put it here i it, they have to i i don't think that i've I never even noticed that that was there. I, I honestly don't care that much about this equipment. I only keep it here because my parents got it for me. I I got rid of all my cassettes and CDs and things a few months ago. It was distracting me from my work, so I got rid of it. But I, I didn't want to throw the, the equipment out because my parents got it for me. I, I honestly, I didn't even know that recorder was there. All right. Uh, well, uh, uh, Mr. Van Gogh, I don't need your life story. I, I believe you. I believe <laughs> you. Uh, but who would have had access to your apartment? with which they could have planted a tape recorder. And I mean, you see, listen, I, I'm one of the more believable guys or one of the more uh, uh, gullible guys down at the Bureau. So maybe I'm being the fool here because I do believe you, but you could see uh, where we're going to need to find another suspect quick here, young man, quick. Who could have put a tape recorder in your apartment? I don't know. I, I, I don't know who has keys to this place. They, I mean, the Art Life people probably have keys to my apartment um, since they own the building. But I don't, I don't know who else. I didn't I didn't make a key for anybody, and nobody really comes in here. I I don't know. I, I just I don't know who it could be. And you, uh, Chip, with your again with your human score, you would swear he's telling the truth. Just do me a favor, please, Manny. As you know, this is obviously we're in an interesting situation here. Keep your eyes open for anything out of sorts, especially now that you know you've learned an important lesson up here about being aware and being prepared. Uh, so make sure if you see anything. Certainly come up, Miss Wright's apartment. I'll be in there. Uh, there'll be a few other agents with me, ladies. Uh, and you could just <laughs> knock right on the door uh, and ask for Agent Lynch. And I will uh, uh, come right on over and, and help you out because I'll help you out because you're helping me out. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, and he goes back into his apartment and closes the door. So where what are you doing now, Chip? Well, I would not listen to the tape knowing Chip Lynch. Uh, he would feel it was wrong to listen to the tape of a young woman's apartment and like that they should, that the women, the ladies should be the ones who hear the tape and they okay. Could, okay. I should not be Very alone. That's wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's what's proper. It's what's proper. It's what's proper. Um, so my guess is, uh, he would look around, you know, give another look over this, this Thomas's apartment, but really probably just go back because I imagine you know they're going to start showing up. Not, not both of them, right? Who's coming? Who's almost there? Someone's almost. Yeah, Veron there. Veronica would Veronica be close. Dahlia, is at Dahlia, her show. Yeah. Okay. So, I I think he would probably go back to the apartment and be ready to kind of give Veronica the update on what has happened since. Sounds good. So, um, so you, are you going to go back in and just like keep cataloging? Like go back, go back to working on the cataloging. Yeah, I'll probably go. I'll start to go back to work on the cataloging because now we have a solid. We have, I mean, we have the night manager, we have the basement, and we have the tape. So those are three uh, strands to pull at when people start getting here. Sounds good. All right. So about fifteen minutes later. So you know, if we assume that the conversation with with Thomas took about fifteen minutes, then about fifteen minutes later, around seven thirty, Veronica, you arrive back at the apartment. You just go in, go to Abigail's apartment. Yeah, I think we'll go directly there. All right, so you you uh, you walk back in, and Chip is kind of very detail, like in a very detailed way, like looking at the things on the wall. He's like he's like studying each individual thing and like pulling it off the wall and cataloging. And so yeah, so you two are you. She has now arrived. Please remember uh, for the folks at home that my intelligence is eight. So I'm looking at these things. <laughs> I do not know what they are. I'm like holding, like, what, what on earth is this? <laughs> and it's a banana. Like, I should know that. Honestly, I'm just picturing, like, for some reason, a bunch of, like, retainers glued to the wall. You know, just something, like, really avant-garde horrible. Yeah. Um, so when, when Veronica walks in, is she just seeing... When we say cataloging, is it everything is, like, in a plastic bag, like, in a new box or something? Or... Or is it just like papers that are like what type of cataloging is being done? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the FBI supplied you with some boxes and some gloves mm -hmm. and some plastic bags and like an evidence list. So I think I I'm, I would guess that Chip is kind of doing everything exactly by the book, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's an item that he mm -hmm. thinks is necessary to to 
put in an evidence bag. He puts it in an evidence bag, and and I did go to John Jay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a little name, little name drop of the <laughs> background. Okay. And if you remember, if you remember when you first looked in here, you know it was there was kind of an assortment of mundane things, papers, and you know kind of normal things with some weird things that were like artificial dentures. limbs and dentures and yeah it was a it was a very it was a wide array of yeah. things in here so icky there's like a depth to it too right like yeah it's exactly just like yeah. there's like chunks of things okay all right so veronica will will come in and i'm gonna you know i'll give a little knock to the door i'm assuming that it's closed um just letting chip know that it's that it's me and i'll uh, veronica will come in take a look around and um uh really make it some uh some headway here well, you know, Miss Doyle, I, I, I may have had an opportunity to get to get started here. Uh, and get started I did. I've got a number of things to catch you up on. But uh, first, how's your cat? Oh, <laughs> oh, Whiskers, you know, uh, he, he he keeps me from being alone. It's, uh, he's good. Oh, uh, yeah, I hate cats. Well, I've always been a dog person myself. But, <laughs> I, you know, that's no judgment on you, of course. Uh, I understand. Oh, you seem like a dog person. Uh, trust me. <laughs> Yeah, yellow labs. You know, dogs I can train. Um, that, uh, but uh, you know, we have a great deal of information to share with you, Miss Doyle here, uh, and not all of it is just you know the artificial limbs and shoes that I've boxed. Uh, take it a little further. <laughs> Why don't you go take a look over at the door? Uh, see if anything, see if anything on the floor looks out of place to you. Anything, anything strange over there? I'm telling you that because there is. So just so you know, have your eyes double open. <laughs> Uh, Veronica, what's your uh, what's your search score? My search score is twenty. Okay. Um, with with him kind of pointing it out, you probably also it takes you a minute, but you probably if you look over there, you probably see the see the little microphone sticking out by the front door as well. Mm, okay. Um. So Veronica's gonna go over and and kind of um pull it up a little bit. Just I'm assuming kind of un- like underthing it um a little further. And if it if it's obvious that it's a microphone, I'm gonna. Uh, cover it. She's gonna cover it with her hand. Uh, what is this? What, what kind of building has these sorts of things? I do not know. The one of these artist buildings, I guess, is a microphone. Uh, you know, I haven't yet determined if it's the work of anyone related to the case or an unassociated pervert. But I, I have <laughs> more or less determined uh, the source of it. I, there was a tape recorder uh, next door, one apartment down, a young man's. Uh, uh, apartment and the damnedest part of it is uh I, he said he has nothing to do with it and i believe him you know i've known no one gets one all over on me you know i'm a pretty smart guy but uh this this guy i'll tell you seemed like it was on the up and up he was being honest someone planted a tape recorder in his apartment to record this apartment uh so you know i we, it looks like we're dealing with one of those cases i think veronica gives chip a bit of an incredulous look that I think that's kind of obvious. She's not so sure that she buys that this neighbor just is like, oh no, I, I also have a weird microphone in my <laughs> my home and I've never seen this before, but um, I think she's gonna follow up and with him and ask, um, did you pull it up anywhere anywhere else? Does it end in his apartment or is there further connections? Or? Yeah, I've got the recorder right here. I certainly wasn't gonna listen to the, the, the intimate moments of a young woman on a tape that I wasn't you know, given consent to, but I have the tape here for you and uh, uh, Ms. Ivanova to listen to at any time. And as a matter of fact, uh, if if he listened, you know, and I did politely but firmly tell him not to leave, uh, it, the young man, uh, her neighbor, should still be down in the basement painting if you'd like to go and speak with him about it yourself. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I bring you two on because you're the best damn lady casuals there are. So maybe... Maybe he won't be able to trick you the way he was able to trick me, though. He didn't trick me. <laughs> Lady casuals. Oh, okay. Uh, did, did you uh, did you go down to the basement to see what he was working on? Well, I had taken a lot of time away from the cataloging, so you know mm. I wanted to get back to that. But by all means, you're free to uh, go down and investigate. Uh, and if if you'd like me to accompany you, I can do that as well. Um, I do think that Veronica wants to go down into the basement just to see what this guy's up to, um, if that is possible. I I do, I mean, I want to listen to the tape, but I'm wondering, do, do we know when, um, when Dahlia's art show is done? 
So it's 7.30 right now. She probably mm-hmm. told you that the art show would run from about 7 to 9, and then she would come back down as soon as she could. So it's still okay. probably going to be a little while. Got it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd like to go uh, talk with this young man myself, just just to see. Do you, would you like to come with me, or do you want to keep working on the wall? Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll stay up here and keep working on the wall. I, I really do believe that, that uh, uh, the young man is telling the truth. But, uh, you know, if when you get down there, his name is uh, Manny, I think. Uh, just let him know that uh, Agent Lynch says hi and, and that you're working with me. And he'll be open as a book with you. Is that uh, is that Chip not knowing what uh what his name is or is that mikey not no yeah no chip does, does forget it doesn't know his name anymore okay. he forgot it already it's manny okay. thomas manuel is his real name folks at home listening i am paying attention <laughs> i just wanted to make sure i could give you <laughs> i'm just very good at playing my part for the folks at home i'm not taking notes at all and I don't for the folks at home the, i am not taking notes because that's why when I listen, folks, if you're going to play an actual play podcast, make your intelligence score low. You don't have, you can just be dumb. Like, hey, my character wouldn't remember that name. Uh, um, I also feel like maybe as a side note, this episode should be called, what is it? Unassociated. Un- the unassociated uh, pervert. Unassociated pervert. <laughs> he's, he's a concern. Yeah. He's a worry. Yeah. I, I still haven't ruled him out yet. He's He's lurking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Veronica, you're heading down. You're gonna head to the basement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you walk out of the apartment and kind of look around. You see the stairs. Doesn't seem like there are any stairs leading downward. Um, and you remember that when you came the first time, you saw that the entrance to the basement was from the outside. And so you you walk outside. Um, you know, it's about. 7.45 or so, it's it's getting closer to dark, and you you walk down the stairs, you use Abigail Wright's key, it's the same key as the key to the main, uh, the main door to the building that opens up the basement, and you walk downstairs. There's a boiler room down there, and it looks like some storage rooms, but one of the small storage rooms you pretty quickly find looks like it has been converted to a painting studio. You get the, like, a strong scent of like oil paints and paint thinner like it's a you know it's 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 clearly has a lot of paint supplies in it and there are three plastic pails of some sort of paint supplies carefully stacked in the middle of the room and there's a note on top of them and then there are uh some canvases stacked to one side of the room um and i don't see a person there like this is just supplies yeah, there's nobody sitting down there. Okay, um, I, I'm i going to go read the note on the pails. Sure, so as you get closer, you see that the pails are linseed oil, um, and the note says, For Sammy Pickup, S-A-M-I. Why does that seem familiar? No. I don't okay. think it seems familiar to me. So. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Actually, so sorry. This is that was that was in a book that I read recently. I was like, wait, why is this? All right, never oh my mind. god, Sammy! You know, I like, ignore that. Comment. I was I was like, oh man, I really am not paying attention. I, need to yeah, yeah. I genuinely have you guys not heard. Keep up, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, and that's the only thing the note says. Yeah, for Sammy pickup. Okay, got it. Um, and then I'm going to. Are the plastic pails like open? Could I lift the lid to take a look? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'm going to do that. Do you know anything about linseed oil? No, but, you know, I feel like I'd know the difference between, like, something that wasn't an oil it versus... It was blood. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't know, you know? I'm so conditioned to just, like, well, she's going to open it, it's just going to be full of blood. Yeah, I also immediately pictured, like, just severed limbs or something. Yeah, I was a Dentures. Yes, yes. So, no, I'm not going to be able to say, like, this is, like, peanut oil versus linseed <laughs> oil, but I will know if it's guts, you know? Yeah, you're you're, <laughs> so. you're no expert, but it sure looks like something that might be linseed oil to you. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, all right. That's anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, if you check enough pails, one of them will be filled with blood. Um, <laughs> it's true. That's true. That was my senior yeah. quote in high school. <laughs> yeah, like, right. 
<laughs> Classic. Um, I'm gonna go over to the canvases and if they're stacked, um, can I take a look at them? Are they all blank or like have they never yes. worked on or is there stuff on there? Yeah, you, you can take a look at them. So the, the okay. front one is blank, mm -hmm. but you look a little more closely and you see that there's a label on it and it's you read the label and it says it, it looks like a like someone has titled this work and it says my great work Ooh, humble <laughs> and it's blank it's it blank just says yeah. my, okay okay and it says my great work did the rest of them have anything on them or any other yeah labels? so if you leaf through you see that the other ones here do actually they are they are actually paintings the first one you flip through is or the one right behind the blank canvas is a haunting image of a white-faced specter standing on a rug at the top of the stairs in the midst of a conflagration and the rug is a strange aquamarine color and so it's i mean it's a pretty unsettling image of this of this white-faced human standing uh, at the top of the stairs in the midst of this huge fire mm -hmm. you flip to the next one and there's a young, thin man with wispy, thinning blonde hair and wearing a hospital johnny. Um, and he's looking into a mirror. And his, the image is duplicated in the mirror like you would expect. But his reflection is deformed and muscular with a misshapen head. Ew. And then you okay. flip to the last canvas. And you see a painting of a child-sized clown. No. In yellow and blue cavorts <laughs> on a stage. He's back. Trailing a white paper dragon behind. Oh. And that is where we are going to end our episode for today. Baby no. Clown City. Oh, yes. oh, baby Clown's back. No. <laughs> what are these freaks up to in this building? I'm not here for this. I've gotten Wolf complete 180 ever since we taped the first episode. I love Baby Clown. He's like Baby Yoda to me. I just want him all around all the time. The oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing, amazing. His geometric shapes on his smock. Yeah, I hate everything. About that, that's that. the creepiest detail. Or it's just the only <laughs> detail I can really focus on. This podcast was published by arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The Impossible Landscapes campaign is copyright Dennis Detwiller, and the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, accepting those elements that are components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.